0: Hello this is Roy's Rocket Radio recorded on Sunday the 31st of May 2015. The time is 1 minute to 1 in the afternoon and this is episode 86. And if you hear a difference on the microphone this week it's because I'm back on the dynamic microphone. Last week I was using the condenser microphone, the internal microphones, on my digital audio recorder. And really, they're just so sensitive. They just pick up everything. And I much prefer the sound of a traditional, boring, dynamic mic. So hopefully it'll sound better this week. So this week I'm stuck at my desk, plugged into a mixer. I found a cable on Amazon that might help. It's a 3.5-inch mini jack that goes into an XLR connection at the other end. And it only costs £2, so I might buy that. So then I'll be a bit more mobile. I can plug that into my digital recorder, but then still have the benefit of using a primitive dynamic mic. So let's start with the news. Now, I'm still thinking about when to have a Skype call-in. I'm trying to sort this out. It won't be long, so please be patient. What I really need to do is make sure I can pick a time that I can commit to, and that is convenient for the majority of my listeners. So please let me know what you think, and I'll try and arrange something. Just bear in mind, I'm in the UK, and... Well, at the moment, it's British summertime, but I think we'll just stick to GMT, so Universal Time. Okay, what else? Oh, I'm also thinking about using Google Hangouts on air. The only thing that's really stopping me is that you need to a lot more work. I mean, you need to look presentable, the studio area needs to be tidy, and you need good lighting. And the other thing is, you really don't want to make a fool of yourself like some other technology podcasters may have done recently. Uh, podcasting is just much safer. Now, on the subject of letting me know what you think, I decided to tell you how I prefer to be contacted, or rather, how to guarantee a response if you try and contact me. So, the best way by far is email, although I check it less frequently. I check it once a day at least, and I always... I'm scrupulous with checking every single email, so that's the best way to contact me. The email contact address is available through my website at roymatur.com. That's R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. Just click on the email link. It will take you to a form but I just want to reassure you that that form's not collecting any data. The only reason it's there is so that I don't have to publicly type out my email address, which can be problematic uh, because it will leave you open for spam. All it does is email me directly, and when I reply, you'll have a copy of my real email address just saves me the spam. The next best way of contacting me is through Twitter. My handle is at that's Simple enough to remember. If it's just general contact, just use that handle on its own. If it's directly to do with a show, and you have a question, or a comment, or you want something mentioned, or you just want to shout, or you want to say hello, use at Roy Matur but also add the Roy's Rocket Radio hashtag. So that's Roy's Rocket Radio, all one word. And if you do that, I check that just before the show, so I can check if there are things I need to read out. The blog. The blog I'll check at least once a week. Often I'll do that with a bit more regularity, but at the worst it will be once a week. Everything else, well, good luck, because I don't check very frequently. I'm on all the major social networks, but the thing I check the least is Facebook. Right, let's see what else. Okay, a little more news. I've tweaked the com site. And by tweaking, I mean I've fixed a few coding errors. I've also worked out how to properly use virtual headers and footers, uh, bearing in mind all the new HTML5 semantic tags. And that's really it for news this week. Uh, Feedback. I'm quite happy that I got some feedback this week. I had a comment about Ex Machina, which we discussed last week in episode 85. Saul Garnell says, I agree with your assessment of Ex Machina. Just watched it on my recent flight to New Zealand. While there were some problems with the portrayal of an AI as a flawed human, I do believe it's one of the best attempts at this kind of story. In line with my previous comments on Daredevil, I once again like the talking scenes a lot. If you're going to explore what an artificial consciousness is, it needs to be done through dialogue. High five to the director to a director who explores humanity with intelligent discourse and having the guts to abstain from shoveling more CGI whammies down the throat of thrill-habituated audiences. So that's a big thumbs up from Saul for Ex Machina. My own thoughts of the movie were discussed last week. But really, the thing that bothered me most was the complete lack of science in that drama, which purports to be science fiction. I mean, I did enjoy the film, so I won't moan too much. And that's kind of a gripe that I have a lot about a lot of movies in general anyway. So that's some feedback from Saul Garnell who apparently is an author. There is a website that he has. Since has been such a good listener, I might as well actually mention his website, which is freedombook... Oops, sorry. freedomclubthebook.wordpress.com So please keep the feedback coming. It is appreciated. Next, writing. Okay, last week I said that I was working on my translation of Rider in the Mist, which is a choose-your-own-adventure type game that I wrote over Christmas, into something that I can sell on the Kindle. I am doing this, but it's taking a while, because I wrote the original game using the Twine tool, that's T W I. Ne, which is a very simple and clever tool for creating interactive fiction. I highly recommend the tool but the problem is it uses quite a bit of JavaScript and changing that from a JavaScript and HTML5 spaghetti file isn't quite as easy as it seems So it's taking me a bit longer than I thought. I think what I've got to do in this case is put it to one side, continue with the straight prose fiction, and nibble away at it when I can. Okay, on to TV. Now, over the last week, I watched the Gotham season finale. What surprised me was that they didn't have the guts to definitively kill Jada Pinkett Smith's Fishmooney. Mooney. I thought they would do this, but they didn't. She just fell into the, the water. What uh, is that river in you? Well, in Gotham. I suppose it must be some tributary of the Hudson, if Gotham City is really part or near New York. I know there's a Gotham area in New York, but Gotham City is quite a lot larger. But that's straying entirely from the point. The point is, Fish Mooney may or may not be dead. But I have enjoyed this season altogether. Definitely better than the first season. Enjoying seeing what's happening with the development of both Penguin and the Riddler. Especially the Riddler. What else? Ah, yeah. So, there is a new TV series called Aquarius. Starring David Duchovny as this old dinosaur of a cop who pairs up with a young hippie partner to solve the mystery of a missing girl. It's set in 1967. Though my overall thoughts were as it started was it felt a bit clichéd. For instance, it only takes about five minutes before we hear Grace Slick singing White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane and this seems to be the only song that they ever play when they're trying to reference the late 60s I mean seriously, was that the only tune in 1967? Apart from the setting which is really well done apart from that obvious cliche of the music I kind of do like it, it does look like how you would imagine the late 60s to be. It is in fact very reminiscent of the Zodiac movie, in terms of looks anyway. But that, in essence, really is the problem. It looks good, but when you get right down to it, it does seem like a fairly mundane police procedural Still worth a watch if you have time. Now I don't know if I mentioned it, but no, I didn't mention it. In fact, Aquarius is from NBC, and they are showing the show online. I think it it is free. Yeah, of course, I watched it. It's free. V- And you can watch it if you're not in the U.S. because of all the stupid licensing agreements that no one really understands. You can watch it via an app called Hola, which gives you the opportunity of basically pretending that you're in a different country to watch something. It seems to work okay, but let me know how you get on with that. That's Hola. I have an Android phone, so I use the Android app. I'm not quite sure if there is an app for iOS, but I'm guessing there must be. Next, I watched Halt and Catch Fire, which is a 2014 show. It's available on Amazon as a DVD or streaming. Season 2 has started this year. And what's it about? It's about Silicon Prairie. So, not Silicon Valley, which is centred around San Francisco, but Silicon Prairie around Texas. So, there's a lot of strong Texas dialects in this. Maybe I should actually tell you what it's about. So, it's just based just after... Apple and Microsoft have made it big. So it's the very early 80s, and we're set in a small Texan computer company. The protagonist is a new guy who's been hired, who used to work from IBM, In fact, worked in IBM for a decade, and then suddenly left. And you'll find out why later on. He comes to work for this small company, and immediately starts changing things up. He wants to be the next Apple or Microsoft. He wants to basically build a PC-compatible The main guy who he works with at the company is the typical bearded techie. And he also finds a punky young student at a university to work on the software. So you've got the beardy hardware guy and you've got the... uh, What would... What? Loose Cannon, that's it The Loose Cannon software person in this student Who also happens to be female Which is kind of a rarity In tech, and it still is All in all, I think this would be an interesting drama Especially if you are a techie, like I am But part of the problem I have with the show It's not that there's anything badly written or... In fact, it's really good. The problem I have is that the characters are pretty unlikable. I haven't really found one person that I really like in the main cast... There are a few of the peripheral cast who are interesting and likeable, but definitely the main cast, they are hard to get on with. Hard to even watch. It's exhausting watching these people. So like I said, it is a good show if you can relate to any of these characters. And they have managed to capture the eighties very well. I think, interestingly, the characters are so unlikable. And what I remember about the 80s is that was a decade that was unlikable in itself. So maybe they reflect their times. Next, Mr. Robot. This is a new show, just started this year. The pilot is the only episode available, and that's available via the USA Network. Again, it's region lock, but try watching it over the HOLA, H-O-L-A app if you're in the UK. The show's about a dysfunctional hacker, a character... You could suppose and has been compared to the protagonist from the video game Watchdogs, who is taking everything on from criminals to giant multinational corporations. What's good is the really riveting performance by Rami Malek, which is. Kind of helped by his intense, scary, scary gaze. All in all, quite promising. And the fact that I watched the pilot twice now, and I'm thinking of watching it again, gives you an idea of what I think of it. It's definitely the kind of show that I would watch. I'm not going to talk too much more about it, because it'll give too much away. So try and catch that if you can via the USA Network website. Just Google USA Network Mr. Robot. And if you have an Android phone, try and use the Hola app. I know that there are other apps for Windows as well. So that's Mr. Robot coming in June This year, I believe. Movies. Ah, now I splurged this week. In fact, I watched two movies, the first of which was Mad Max Fury Road. So, if you know the Mad Max franchise, it's the typical dystopian wasteland type adventure. Tom Hardy now takes on the mantle or the leather biker jacket of Max Rockatansky, who is the protagonist, and he is pretty good in this movie. Unfortunately, Charlie's Theron's Imperator Furiosa is a way more interesting character Or fortunately, I mean, it's good to have two good performances, so what am I moaning about? There isn't much dialogue, and apparently that was by design. But I would also say that there could even have been less dialogue. Although the dialogue that there is does contain a few touches of humour, which is quite good. There was a spiky porcupine-type car that I saw during the movie, and immediately I thought of that old 70s movie, The Cars That Ate Paris, because I seem to remember a spiky car in that movie too, or several spiky cars, in fact. As you would suppose with a title like Fury Road, there are a lot of incredibly interesting-looking vehicles in this film. The one that stands out the most, though, is the boss's car, which comes complete with a complement of drummers and a mutant lead guitarist who is dangling from a bungee at the front of the vehicle, playing a guitar-slash-bass combo double instrument, you know, one of those big guitar things with two necks, one's a guitar, one's a bass, and it also has a built-in flamethrower. So a flamethrower double guitar. And I just thought, seeing that vehicle, this is completely and utterly original and truly inspired, so I tweeted right after watching the movie, I tweeted, Simply the word brilliant. And I'll say that again. Brilliant, brilliant. Unrelenting action. Definitely hearkens George Miller's fantastic return to the Mad Max franchise. Highly recommended. Can't say enough good things about it. Really enjoyed it. So that's enough of my... <laughs> highly objective and unemotional review of Mad Max oh yeah I forgot I don't review so doesn't matter I can say what I like okay next Tomorrowland this was the second movie that I watched this week and looking at my ticket I watched it on May the 28th so I think that might have been the day before Day after Mad Max, or two days after Mad Max? Anyway, they were watched pretty close together. So the basics of this story are that... And I'm not giving too much away in saying this. That there is, in an alternative dimension... A city of tomorrow, built by all the great artists and thinkers of the day. George Clooney is inducted into this community during the World Fair, in the 60s sometimes, I think it was 1964, can't remember. Exactly. I don't think it really matters. Unfortunately, he is later kicked out for unspecified reasons that become clear later on in the movie. There are two other main characters. One, a young girl. The girl who introduces George Clooney to this amazing new city. Tomorrowland, and the main protagonist of the movie, a young NASA enthusiast, anarchistic NASA enthusiast, who stumbles upon the city. And then get sucked into an adventure with George Clooney and this other young girl as well. And that's all I'm prepared to say about it. I did really enjoy this movie. But there are problems. There is way too much product placement. Electrolux. And almost embarrassingly, the Coca-Cola scene. And it also occasionally drags in the middle. Now, they're not huge problems, but they are noticeable. The other thing is that this is very soft science fiction with no real hard science-based ...science fiction at all. But that's really it. And altogether, I did really enjoy it. What I enjoyed about it most, and what is the central theme of the movie... ...is that it isn't cynical. It's showing the dangers of being too cynical and negative ...and focusing on the possible dystopian future without trying to do anything about it and creating a utopian future, the future that we all deserve, according to the movie. And that is a refreshing and different and utopian message, and I did think that it worked. At least it worked for me, but then I'm a pretty cynical person, so you really need to shove that message down my throat anyway. Other reviews have said that the positive message is a bit much, but I don't agree with that. So that's Tomorrowland from 2015. This year, of course. We are in 2015. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to... Where's my marbles gone? I think I need a sip of my mineral water. Okay, so that's just about it this week. I should mention that I'm still wading through Andy Weir's first novel, The Martian. I mentioned that last week. So if you want to hear a bit more about it, listen to episode 85. Ditto with Bird Box that I also am still reading by Josh Malaman. Mentioned that last week too. And as if that isn't enough to be reading, I'm also reading Portent, which I found at the library. It was for sale for 25 pence, so I bought it. Portent is James Herbert's 1993 horror novel. Now, I started it a few days ago, and a hundred pages in I realised that I read it quite a long while back in the day, which isn't surprising because I think I've read just about everything James Herbert has written. I'll report back on my various bits of reading when I've finished something, so just stay tuned. But. Again, the writing is the main priority, so who knows when I'll finish any of these books. Okay, technology. Now, I mentioned ages and ages ago that I was trying to untangle myself from Facebook. Unfortunately, I need Facebook, so I can't divorce myself from it entirely. But I have managed to clean up my timeline. I've actually destroyed my timeline. There's hardly anything in there now. And I also managed to get rid of most of my likes, which is kind of handy because without too many likes, you're not inundated with a bunch of rubbish that Facebook thinks that you might be interested in. Unfortunately, I've never managed to unlike everything, but I have now, hopefully, fingers crossed. I managed to do this by finding an online tip on how to do it. I've put a link to the tip in my show notes, so if you want to unlike things... Either some things or everything. Just have a look in the show notes. The basics of the procedure are that you click on create page. And don't actually create a page. But you'll see that one of the options there are to have a look at all your likes. And then you can unlike everything. But have a look in the show notes and use the link. I can't really repeat the link now because it's quite a long one with a long, complicated ID number at the end of it. Next. Alright, oh, So, recently, very recently, in the last couple of days, I upgraded the storage on my smartphone. Now, my smartphone is a Moto E3G, the older one, which came with... Let's see, 8GB which is absolutely nothing, which meant I had to be really strict with what I could put on my phone and how many things I could save to my phone. Now I upgraded to a 32GB Class 10 micro SD card for £18 pounds from a popular high street stationer. If you're in the UK you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm not gonna do their advertising for them. It is really much faster than the class 4 standard, and I know this because I've got a donated from my mum class 4 standard SD card, you know, the slightly bigger card. And this class 10 is a lot faster. Now the question is: which class 10 to go for? What brand? Well, Honestly, the differences are so minimal, I would say just go for the cheapest and the most reliable. For instance, I'm using a no-name PNY branded one. Check Amazon reviews and sites like the Wirecutter for reliability. But I've had no problems with the card that I'm using so far. So that's it then for the show. And you know what I've noticed... That's the first section on technology we've had for a very long time. I'm sorry about that. It's just that there's so much to talk about during these podcasts that I'm never quite sure what to include and what to not include because I don't want to be sitting here for three and a half days doing a podcast on my own. But again, thanks for listening. Please get in touch if you would like to or make a comment, or have some feedback. I'm always happy to chat to people. And really, that's it for the show. So thanks for listening. This was Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 86, recorded on Sunday, the 31st of May, 2015. And the time at the end of the show is 5 to 2 in the afternoon. And hope to chat to you next week. That's it then. Bye for now. Bye.